Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. This is episode number 91, Struggle, Identity, Validation, and Grounding to Live Well and Parent Confidently with my guest, Justin Ehrlich. This is a bit of a different episode, guys. I was in a men's group with Justin and a few other guys, and uh, it was just me and him on one call because the other guys couldn't make it. And so we just had a good chat. It was a couple hour chat. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, man, there's a lot of good wisdom in here, good lessons in here. And basically asked him, uh, you know, if he would publish this as a podcast because it was so useful. And he's like, look, I don't know how to do that, but if you want to do it, go ahead. So I have gone through and I have cut out a little bit here and there. So if the conversation sounds like it's jumping around a little bit, uh, it's not too bad. I just listened to it again. It's not too bad at all. But uh, that is why, because I've cut out certain things uh, just for privacy reasons and stuff like that. So uh, what you're about to listen to is part of a coaching call, men's group call uh, with myself and Justin. And uh, this is just a place for me to walk the talk, which is to say, uh, be around other men that you can bounce ideas off of. So I have this in my life in a variety of ways. I'm in men's groups. Not only do I run the men's groups, uh, but I'm in them as a member as well. So uh, yeah, this is just an excellent opportunity to get some insights into how I think, uh, get some wisdom from Justin on how he approaches things and uh, you know, take what works for you and leave the rest. So we're going to get into it. I don't think there's anything else to say here. I've had Justin on the podcast in the past. You can go to the dad.work slash podcast and look for the uh, episode with Justin. And I will add that, a link to that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast as well for this episode. So uh, that being said, jump into this one. If you got a few seconds to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple, again, I would very much appreciate that. And uh, follow me on Instagram, dadwork.cart. All right, interested to hear what you guys think of this. We're gonna jump in to episode number 91, my coaching call, basically. Uh, with Justin Ehrlich. Here we go. And so it's like somebody may know like, oh yeah, I'm really angry. They know that they're angry. They can feel their anger. They can tell that, but they're not really rooted into their body. And so you start with acknowledging their anger and getting them in touch with the emotion. And then you drop them back into their body. Some people will be like, we can... We can use the emotions to get back into the body. We can use the body to get into the emotions. Um, some people will be more aware of their body and like, oh, my stomach is really hurting. And it's like, okay, well, let's explore that and then see what thoughts are there. Let's explore what emotions are in that stomach pain that you're feeling or that chest constriction that you're feeling. What are you afraid to admit? What are you afraid to be honest with yourself about? Mm -hmm. um, and it's this dance of sort of cross-pollination between those three layers, because Taoism is always three layers, so body, mind, spirit. Um, and we're just trying to figure out where people are at. And some people specialize in like past lives and spiritual realm stuff. And so they work mostly within that upper sort of esoteric past life, ghost, spirit, entity world some people work more from that heart-centered world and some people work more from the physical rooted into the body world and they're all they're all good and they're all gateways but at some level we want to try to help if, in my opinion at least from the Taoist perspective you want to cross-pollinate between all three you want to help the person connect the dots between the three because that's what really leads them to be empowered if I just learn all these physical skills and then I learn these emotional skills, but I don't learn how to connect them, I'm still disjointed. Mm -hmm. 
And the the real aha moments, in my experience, happen when we see the the connection within us, not when we just learn the skills disparately. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I found like slowing down and integrating everything. Mm-hmm. When I stopped doing to do and started doing to be, that was like, oh my goodness. Like I have been chasing, I've been running out ahead of everything that I've been doing so much so that like none of it's actually whacked into me and done anything. And so it took, this is like a year and a bit ago, um, like a, an alleged failure, my first mm-hmm. like big failure where I just like slowed down. And then everything just smacked into me. It was like, dude, stop meditating to get away from all that you're needing to feel. And like that changed everything. And that was for me, like the first real integration of these two things, the body, the feeling. This idea of adapting. So they they liken it to the water element that water just adapts and flows wherever it needs to go without any attachment. It can go through anything. And it also doesn't have to force its way through. It finds its way through because it finds the easiest path, the most natural path, rather than trying to push through the rock. It finds its way around the rock. It gets to where it wants to go, but it's not a stubborn and have to push through the rock necessarily. And to do that, to flow with the Tao, we have to be fully present. We can't be off in the future. We can't be stuck in the past. We have to be fully in the moment of not reliving the time the previous rock blocked our way. And we can't be thinking about how future rocks might block our way. We have to just see the rock in front of us and find a way around it. Mm-hmm. And so it's in that present moment where we find divinity. And it's like this never ending choice of, um, do I choose resistance to what is? Do I choose presence with what is? And every time I choose resistance to what is, I go more and more into resisting divinity as it's unfolding, whether it be right or wrong or pleasant or unpleasant. I get more and more entangled. I get more and more traffic jammed. I get more and more irritable. I get more and more hurt. I get more and more suffering i get closer and closer to hell basically because i'm more and more hurt or i'm more and more angry entangled in all this it shouldn't be this way when i make the other choice to be like this is what is let me find a way to the destination that i want to to move in the direction I want to move in, the vector of my life that I want to move in, who do I want to be, how do I want to be, what do I want the world to be, let me move in the direction of creating what it is that I'm in resonance with, I move closer and closer to heaven. But that's a choice. I choose hell or I choose heaven. It's not something that I arrive at by some virtue of the choices that I make in the sense that they are noble or unnoble they are noble or not if we're going to use that term uh, that judgment based on me following my truth while accepting what really is in front of me i can accept my truth and recognize that there is a rock in front of me i need to get over there but there's a rock in front of me i accept my truth that i'm going to find my way around the rock rather than being upset that i'm blocked by the rock
Mm. And it's like certain things in our lives were predestined. We didn't have a say over them. And that can be what's happening right now in the world. That could be the fact that we were born as men. We didn't intellectually choose to be born as a man. What we do with that, that is up to us. And that's sort of, again, the choosing. It's like there are certain things that come into our lives that we don't have control over, and we can either choose resistance and suffering and eventually end up in hell, or we can choose to embrace this is what's here. Let me find my truth in relationship to what is here. Mm. And the more that you repeat that pattern of saying, okay, there is a rock. I need to get to the other side. I'm going to find a way to the other side. And I'm not going to complain about the fact that I have to find a way to the other side. Every time we do that, we reinforce our identity to who we want ourselves to be, to our higher self. And we get closer and closer to that idea of just practicing being in touch with, well, who do I want to be in this situation? And then we are able to move closer and closer to heaven, which is um, in uh, Taoism, the, we have this idea of uh, nine palaces of sort of struggles that people go through that are bigger concepts, health and wealth and prosperity and travel and family and career and all these sorts of things. But the last palace is home. It's arriving at like the eight really relate to the last one, nine, which is home, which is self. And it's like you struggle in relationship to health in relationship to who you are. You struggle in relationship to your wealth in relationship to your self-identity, not really about making money, but what making money means to your self-identity. Prosperity, how much do I have to give to share in relationship to my self-identity? Family in relationship to my self-identity. And so every time we we are able to make that choice and use our choices to help be at peace with who we are, we move closer and closer towards heaven in a sense versus hell. And one of the questions I often use with clients and I use with myself all the time is like when I'm confronted by a difficult struggle, it's like, I think it was one of my Zen teachers that, that said this to me um, years ago. And it was, if you, you know the movie uh, Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. If you had to relive this decision right now, this difficult decision, if you had to relive your choice to eternity, which choice would you make? And usually the path towards heaven is the choice that we, we choose. We know what's right, and it really helps to check the ego. The other way that I like to phrase it is like, if I had to make this choice, will this choice help me die at peace? Or on my deathbed, will I look back at that choice and be like, that was not the right choice. I could have done better. I could have been a better human. I could have been a better man. I could have been a better father, a better husband, a better practitioner, a better son. And so I've almost started thinking like, 
what is, I don't even know what it is, but just intellectually, I'm going, okay, there must be this self that I'm describing and, and figuring out and feeling, but who that is to the external world in each circumstance, I have no idea. And it feels like in listening to you just talk about this, like there's something there, I think that relates to being like, oh, me as this and me as this and me as this or this in relation to me. And I feel as though I'm continually filling in these gaps. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it'll never be filled, but it just feels as though that's a worthy pursuit for me. And it's allowed me to not be so grabby on or, or like cling on to yeah. everything else. It's like, oh, now I see. It's like illuminating these dark spots in the wheel of my external self or my, my internal self displayed externally. Exactly. And the more that you make those connections, then as new things come into your life, you'll know how to navigate because you'll know your truth in relationship to more and more of the external world. Right. The the more you know your truth in relationship to the external world, the less triggered you'll be because you'll just know what's right for you. Mm. Things won't phase you. You'll be much more stable because you'll be rooted into your self-identity more and more and more, but in a way that is adaptable because you are open to seeing things and flowing with it. They're, they're obviously, the, the negative side of rooting into our identity is that we become very ego-driven. And it's like me, 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 me. And we don't want, don't want that, obviously. But the more we run into those things, the more we engage with those things and use it as a reflection tool back to self, the easier it is for us to have healthy boundaries, the easier it is for us to navigate things and when confronted, be very grounded in that stuff. We become much more um, reliable. We become much more um, of an anchor for people because in emotional bonding, we need reliability from a person. We need predictability for attachment theory to work. Right. Bonding to work, we need stability from the person. But if you aren't rooted in yourself, how could you be stable for anybody else? And so right. the more you do that, the more you become an anchor for other people to come to because you are predictable. But not predictable in a bad way. You're predictable in the sense that you will be rooted and grounded and stable within yourself. So you will become this sort of pillar of support for your immediate community because you have done that work um right like there's a trustability that gets engendered i think yeah it's like you won't fly off your rocker that often because you're more anchored you're less thrown off by things because you have stepped into the dark and it doesn't scare you as much because you keep stepping into these unknown spaces and when you run into the dark, you use it as a way to build a new neural pathway, build a new mm-hmm. network of self-understanding. And so you become a person that people can rely upon when they are scared, when they are unanchored, because you won't throw it in their face. You won't give them drama. Instead, you'll be able to hold space because your space of self-identity keeps growing um i think we talked about it on the podcast but there's like that that whole thing of being a a child versus a parent before you're socialized is that you have limitless possibilities and all the social programming and all the trauma 
um, that happens begins to firm up our identity and limit us. I can't be this. I have to be that. Mm. And so much of the healing is then stepping back out and realizing I can be this and I can be that. And the more you can be all those different things, then more and more people will feel safe in your presence because you don't judge all those things because you're very adaptable. Right. Right. Um, it's very important for leadership or parenting or space holding is that like in a very basic sense, how could you hold space for somebody that you can't hold that space for yourself? Yeah. Right. Um, And it begins to make you more of in a sense, like a polymath intellectually in a sense, because you're able to be multiple personalities and have an underlying truth within those multiple personalities. Um, that somehow it's like, how could you be this and that? And it's like, you can see the line of truth of who you are between these seemingly disparate identities um, and not have judgment, social programming, traumatic programming get in the way of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And in the, again, in the Trinity model in Taoism, they go from survival to socialization to independence and it's like you can only get to know who you really are by having gone through socialization and so it's all those journeys out and the sort of um idea of the hercules or the the greek myths of the adventure and returning home it's only after you've gone in to to fight the dragon and you come back that you can have accomplished something yes oh man that's so hard uh as a parent because what i've noticed is um there there is and there was and there still is a sense of the so so-called like helicopter parenting mm-hmm. um in the physical sense and mm-hmm. i mean like moms who don't let their kids climb moms who have moms and dads i suppose who have leashes for their children and what i'm seeing now is more so helicopter parenting in the challenge and slaying the dragon sense. There's this want, there's this want to bypass the intellectual and the spiritual struggle that will give rise to character that I'm seeing now more than anything. It's like, oh, even in doing my work as a dad, I'm trying to lessen the burden and the impact on my kids. And yet it was exactly that which made me the man I am today. And so like, am I actually doing them harm? I don't think I am, but am I actually doing them some form of harm by not providing so much struggle? And then it becomes my intentionality to bring struggle to them in a way that is safe and encouraging and whatever. So they, they know they can do it without ever having to like really had to go through it. So how do I then um, like create struggle and strife for them so that they can hone their edge so that they don't bypass and go to the so-called white knight before having gone through the red knight. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they need that like fire, anger, energy, adventure. And if I'm like being this really, you know, aware dad and really mindful parent, like where are they going to get that? So that's like such a, it's a, it's a mind fucking sense because like, I thought I'm doing everything right. And here I am creating this whole new batch of problems to solve. 
Well, they're, they're different problems. And I think, you know, one thing to remember is like the world is going to be the world. Your kids are going to have trauma. They're going to have drama. They're going to have struggle, even if you were perfect. Yeah. That's not going to change. Somebody at school is going to break their heart. Somebody at school is going to bully them. They're going to fail a test and have social pressure for not being good at a subject when somebody else is good at the subject. They're going to have performance anxiety and want to make this team or that team and not make the higher levels and not get to play as many games or whatever it is. They're going to, they're going to have all of that, um, which is part of that socialization. Mm -hmm. And you are only one, you're a major part of that socialization. But the role of the parent um, is not, at least as I understand it, is not um, to try to take on all of the socialization Mm -hmm. and not to remove the struggle, but rather to teach them how to navigate the struggle. And so whether the struggle comes from you or the struggle comes from the outside, um, the goal is that when you see them struggling as you help to guide them through the process, feel your body, feel your emotions, where is this? You teach them the skills rather than avoiding the struggles. You, right. They fall, they break their wrist because they're playing on the jungle gym and like how many kids fall and break a wrist or you teach them how to do physical therapy. You teach them how to exercise. You teach them how to learn to ride a bike. You teach them how to learn to hit a baseball. You teach them how to learn something rather than to prevent them from having to need to learn it. And you do that through like how you and, um, you know, like how you and Natalie are in the sense of like, if you guys fight and they see it, you talk to them about it. You help them to see that like you can argue and still love each other. You can, they can see the two of you to each other at different times say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Let me do that over. And it's through those examples rather than like protecting them. It's that you accept that the trauma will happen and you empower them to, to heal trauma because that in a sense is again, like as we're, we're working with trauma for anybody that's been through trauma that has some form of PTSD, basically going back to that idea of the, the root of the person that uh, lower Dantian strength, self-identity thing is that trauma always creates fear, creates a constriction, creates a sense of insecurity that I'm the dragon is going to kill me. And when we get stuck it's because we still think the dragon is going to kill us. And so our work is to help a person become unafraid of the dark. And whether the light is on 10% or the light is on 50% or the light is on 70% or 90%, we don't need to judge. We just help them begin to become less afraid of the dark. So um, for whatever reason, he's scared of that bathroom. And so he wants us to go in there with him. And we're like, no, you can do this on your own, but we'll stand over here. And we just keep being further and further and further away to help him learn to navigate 
that it's okay, that it's safe, but there's a cushion there. And we just make less and less of a cushion. And in that process, he becomes more self-reliant. And so the fear becomes less and less because his self-identity becomes stronger. And that's part of like every time your kid has a struggle and you push them to, to navigate through the struggle, what ends up happening is they become confident. They become empowered knowing like I've navigated all of these struggles. When the next one comes along, it's less scary. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's really, for me, I think the, the important part of, again, whether you're working with a male client, a female client or a child, it's not really that different. The set of tools that they need are different, but the human journey is the same. When you're leaning into something that's scary, it's really not any different than your kids leaning into something that's scary. The emotional struggle part, the same for me, right? Like, it's one of the, I think, for me, one of the the bigger aha moments in my own journey was seeing how the struggle of a child is no different than my struggle it very much helped me to to sort of develop a lot more compassion and empathy and reduce my sense of judgment Mm -hmm. because there was no need to compare anymore because I realized it was all the same. Just that you're struggling with your knee and I'm struggling with my elbow, but like, should I compare that a knee is worse than an elbow or an elbow is worse than a knee? It's just like, we're both struggling and we're both in pain and it sucks. And we have to do exercises and we have to take medicines. And we have to do all the stuff, but it's like, it's the struggle is the same. Yeah. That rings, you know, that rings yeah. very true. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, it's interesting. The, uh, my, my two older sons, mm-hmm. one of them is, I mean, I, I clearly see, I am reflected back uh, mercilessly my failures early on mm-hmm. with some of his behavior today. And I'm, I'm grateful for the reminders um, and glad that he's, you know, turned out as well as he has and that we've got a relationship. But one of the things I've noticed that I struggle with is when I, it's probably just the way I approach it because I, I probably still have some remnants of that anger. Um, but when I suggest that he take responsibility for doing something like hitting his brother. Mm-hmm. Sometimes his defense mechanism will be like, oh, well, I'm I'm just stupid and like I deserve to be punished. And I'm like, I see it as going into victim, which like, oh, I am revolted by that. Mm-hmm. I like I am so and the antithesis to my existence is victim behavior. Unless I'm being triggered, as we talked about a few weeks ago, then I go into victim. But like I judge that so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering the other day, like, oh, I wonder if this is like just a fear response of keeping you safe because you're judging yourself before I can pass judgment. And if you think you need to be, you know, hurt then it makes you not have to deal with being disappointed by me or me disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I'm struggling with. Like what the hell am I supposed to see that as, is it victim mentality? Is it like a fear response? How do I best support him in that other than going like, Oh, like take some responsibility, bro. 
And then in my, my middle son, he is having like a hell of a time at school. He just hates it. I don't love what I see in school and we're strongly considering homeschool because of that. Um, but I go like, I am going to give you the tools and to talk to you about this and to tell you that it's going to be hard. We had a good talk this morning. And then he just like goes wild. His nervous system is like a little bit haywire right now. I, the story that I tell myself is that he's still heart hurt from no longer being the baby. He's squeezed out because his older brother mm-hmm. is so talkative. Like he will not let you get a word in edgewise. It drives everyone crazy, but like, that's just who he is. He's going to be a great orator orator one day <laughs> and the baby gets all the attention. So John in the middle yeah, is the classic lost. left behind lost child. Yeah. And so I see that as being acted out in like crazy, man, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I can't sit still. And I'm going to distract everyone in class and I can't like do anything, but then I'm going to get like in trouble for that. And then not be able to chill and like help myself. And so I go, why can't you help yourself? Like I breathe in front of you. I do like circles with you to calm you down, to sit with you, to help you, to show you, look at all this meditation I'm doing, John, like do something different. And so I want to share that just because it's real. Mm -hmm. um, And because I love any feedback on these sort of, uh, I don't know if you want to say psychological or spiritual level, um, but maybe just to get more perspective. Well, I mean, like, so like, the middle child is acting out to get attention because he feels lost. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, one of the things you can do is to, instead of like, he's too young to intellectually grasp, but that's why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and so one of the things that um, you can do is to frame it for him. It's like, Oh, it seems like you would like some attention right now. Mm-hmm. And give him the language to say that. I would like some attention right now. So you're, 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 you're doing a lot to get our attention right now. It seems like you would like our attention. It seems like you'd like us to focus on you. Um, and then like acknowledge that because he doesn't have the language to articulate that or to self-soothe because he can't really articulate that he's feeling left out and he's just trying to draw attention to himself. And so then you can, with his older brother there and be like, Oh, well, we're going to focus on what's his name again, John, John, we're going to focus on John right now. So um, we're going to give, we're going to set a timer. I'm going to let you hit the button. And for the next five minutes or the next 10 minutes, we're going to focus on John. And then we're going to come back to you. Um, Or I'm going to ask you to step out so I can give John my full attention. Um, But it's like, you're helping John develop the language to articulate that he needs attention. And whether he needs it because he's been ignored, whether he needs it because he's been pushed over, whether he needs it because he's just needs it, doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. What you want is for him to be able to learn the skill to articulate his needs so you can meet him. But if he just acts out, it's very hard to read what that is. Um, yeah. And exercising will help reduce some of it. Meditating or breathing will help relax some of it, but it won't ever, none of those will actually meet the need. Right. The need will only be met when he can say like, Hey, I'm feeling my older brother is talking too much and I can't get a word in and it's frustrating to me. Can he please shut up for like 10 minutes? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then you and Natalie can hold space for that and try to like balance okay, we're going to give you some attention. And maybe that means that he gets 
isolated playtime with you where he just feels more seen in a way that helps to begin to soothe, soothe the, uh, the nervous system. Um, yeah. And with kids, a lot of it is that it's like learning to see they're acting out as a message rather than it being an acting out. It's like, okay, what is, what is it that they're trying to say? Um, a big part of it really, again, is universal between adults and children that we need to validate a person's experience. Oh, you seem really upset. Oh, it seems like you, you, you want some attention right now. You want us to talk with you. You seem upset by this. Tell me why you're upset by this. This seems important to you. You seem like you'd like some attention right now. You'd like to lead what we're doing. You'd like to lead the activity. Seems like you'd like to choose what we're going to do. It seems like you'd like to choose what we're going to eat. It seems like you'd like this. It seems like you'd like that. Because kids just can't articulate that. Where if like Natalie's upset, you can go to her and be like, oh, it seems like you're upset right now. Tell me about like what's bothering you. And she, she can articulate it. You can like she can get there, but kids just can't. And so our job is to help them develop that skill to articulate what they're experiencing internally um and then as we watch what they're struggling with it will play out a lot of the stuff that we struggle with and that's part of our healing is to be able to see like oh this is hard for me this is a struggle for me um and we can share that with them like oh it seems like you're struggling with this that's a hard thing for me too and we let them know that that's okay because we're, and we also like in the sense of letting them know that we struggle with it. We also let ourselves know it's okay. It's sort of like we're meeting our kid as part of our own soul journey as the next line. And as we help hold space for their experience with it, we're also holding space for our experience with it. Um, it makes you, I see it, it makes you sad when your dad yells at you or when your dad does this or when your mom does this or your grandpa does this or whatever it is, I can see that that really bothers you. It would bother me too. I remember like, you know, you, you share your experience of struggle and it helps them normalize their experience. They're not alone in it. And it helps us feel like we're holding for them what wasn't held for us. I find like, a, again, in like working with the adult side of it, I often use the the what, the why as the, the questions. What is it that's bothering you? Why does it bother you? And then validate it. Like it makes sense that that would bother you based on your history, based on your experiences. It's okay for you to feel what you're feeling. It might not make sense to me. I might not feel what you would feel, but I want to validate that you have the right to have that emotional response. And in a way, like that's, we're trying to help kids learn to articulate that so they don't shove down their emotions because they judge it and think they shouldn't be having the reaction that they're having. And it's like, right. If you try to tell your son not to act out to draw attention, but he needs attention, 
there's this conflict there. He needs attention for whatever reason, whether he's, again, he's been bullied, whether he's been overshadowed, whether he's been neglected, whether he's just sensitive and he just feels neglected, even though he's not truly neglected, doesn't matter. It's just like, that's what he's feeling. You want to be like, oh, you need some attention right now. That makes sense. That's okay. Mm. How can we help you get that attention? And the same for being bad. It's like, oh, so it seems like you feel bad for having hit your brother. That would make sense. I would feel bad if if I hit somebody. Um, how could I, what do you think I could do to, to not do that again in the future? Mm. And you sort of like begin to train him to discipline himself, to reflect upon his thing. So he's not looking for you to punish him or to judge him you become the anchor to help him navigate self-discipline. And so when they're throwing a tantrum, um, which stuffed animal would you like? And it just immediately gets them to make a choice, which gets them out of that sobbing temper tantrum space and into problem-solving space. And, okay, which I'm going to have you squeeze my hand. Which, which hand would you like to squeeze? Do you want to squeeze my right hand or my left hand? Mm-hmm. And it just, like, it helps to, to get them out of that space and in because again, they're like, they're in this overload and they don't know how to self-regulate in their body just as much as they don't know how to self-regulate in their mind, just like us. And so it's again, like these, these very universal tools, but again, the tools that a five-year-old needs and the tools that you or I need are going to be different. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's nice to be reminded of all of this and to just get the extra perspective because I I will be doing this as work and doing my very best to make sure I'm spending the t- time and noticing what I'm doing so that I can keep sharing. And then it's just like sometimes, man, it's just like, oh come on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like this is great. And we've, we've worked with a play therapist before and learned a lot from that. And yeah, it's just, it, it all boils down to like, I want them to suffer for meaning, but I really don't want them to suffer at all. And like, how do I bridge that? And then it's like, oh, I'm being triggered because I know when John's making noise and he's on the floor and he's like inchworming his way. And I'm like, get up and put your backpack away. He's like, uh, uh, uh. Uh-huh. and it's like, Oh my goodness. Like I will scream in a moment. <laughs> and when George is like, okay, I'm just bad. Like, no, you, you don't even have to like me. And like, bro, Whoa. take responsibility. Yeah. And like, you know, it just, these are like deep triggers for me. And it's interesting to continue to develop them, which is good because before it would be like trigger, scream, trigger, scream, trigger, scream. Yeah. I'll just out anger you and I'll out scare you. And now it's like, oh, no, I got to sit with it, which is again, wonderful. And it's a privilege and all the rest of it. But um, it does help to just say it and notice it and be sort of imagine that validated yeah. by you <laughs> in the experience. Uh, so, yeah. You can either crawl on the floor to get your backpack. Or we can have story time in bed. Which one would you like to do? Yeah. We got to do this <laughs> yeah. now. 
And so like, I just, instead of getting frustrated and like my pattern wouldn't be um, <clears throat> in terms of myself would be to walk away. That's my, like, I just remove myself from the equation is mm-hmm. my typical pattern. And so I watch for when I do that, or I will be like, Oh, I need to reframe that energy into something that engages him to make a choice in one direction so that I don't stay so frustrated with him being stuck and him resisting. Mm, yeah. Um, and so for me, that's a big help because I get triggered as well. You know, it's like they're going to have struggles that are not logical to our brain because our brain is developed more than theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. We've gone through that learning curve back when we were that age, our brain was the same. We want to unlearn that suffering is bad. Struggle is good. Struggle is where we grow. And so what we want to do is like, is this a worthwhile struggle for your kids? Hard and suffering are two very different things. Yeah. Is the suffering, is the struggle, is the work that they're going to have to do, the resistance that you're going to have to face, is that going to take them in a better direction? Ultimately. Damn, that's the question underneath this whole, like, what do we do about schooling for John? Mm-hmm. Is this, because like I've, I've literally, we've had this conversation repeatedly, which is he is struggling. Is this the right struggle? It's like the choose your pain, right? Yeah. You're going to suffer if you do it. You're going to suffer if you don't. So which would you rather do? Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, I don't know. It, it be, almost becomes like a balancing act between which suffering is more harmful potentially. I mean, it's not like we can see the future, mm-hmm. but what do we see as being more harmful and more negatively harmful, um, not suffering in a good way? Is it staying at school when he is, I, I don't think any human being is designed to sit in school inside four walls all day, but um, you know, is his temperament specifically worse because George loves it he just like runs his classroom he's got a friend in every single person and like loves to talk obviously so school is great for him and I would have to work very hard to make homeschool work but John like this morning I was like oh just stay home man like I would love for you to just stay home today because this is not worth it you know like I see you trying so hard and I see this and so wherein is the struggle and like where do we make that decision and then just like put it to rest and I think maybe one way to, to look for the answer of that is in <clears throat> not which struggle does more damage or does less damage, but which struggle do you and Natalie have the tools to help them integrate mm. better? Because whether it's damaging or not damaging is really on how well he can integrate the struggle. Right? And to him to, for him to integrate the struggle is about how the two of you can help him do that as parents, same way you would with a client. Like uh, an exercise coach can help you get in shape because they know how to lean you into getting in shape. It's not the struggle that's hard. It's that they know how to guide you through the struggle as a coach. They know how to hold the space for that struggle. And so whether you choose homeschool or you choose public school or private school or, you know, Montessori or Waldorf or whatever sort of schooling program, um, 
it's really like how what tools do you have to support the struggle that he will encounter and then you start to choose struggles that you can meet him at to help him grow even though he's struggling um, and that that was profound shit man <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that's probably the best reframe i've ever heard on just like how the hell do you even figure this out so i really appreciate that thank you you're welcome yeah i mean it's really because there's not there's not an answer yeah. right it's just really not and yeah no we <laughs> i relate hard to the eating thing as well and yeah. there's it's so interesting to you know, provide the consequences, mm -hmm. uh, the intentional consequences without it being punitive necessarily and yeah. to give them the space to learn. Um, I think like there's so much of this today, which is being hoisted on us as parents to be responsible for rather than there being any structure around it as there potentially used to be. Um, Cause it, it gets to be, we are supposed to be the so-called alpha and the omega when like, that's way too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to have friends around. I want to have other men around and other people around to be like, okay, off me, you teach him this, or you do this with him. And so that's something that, again, it, the burden falls on the parent yeah. to create that in a world that's not designed for it. Um, yeah. But that's something we're trying to be very intentional about. And even media consumption, like when we were kids, you watch the fucking commercials, there was no choice. No, <laughs> you watch no what was on TV, right? And, yeah. and sometimes something profound would happen. Like I think, I don't know if it's Bruce String, Springsteen or something like late night TV, you saw a guy playing guitar, ends up, you know, becoming a brilliant songwriter and a guitarist. Nowadays, the children could go down a rabbit hole of like watching Bluey or Paw Patrol or whatever it is, and they'll never get anything but this narrow focus. Yeah. And so what we've thought is like, First of all, we don't do screens very much anyway, but when we do, it's like, okay, you have to, you, you not, you got to watch the commercials, but like, we are going to watch something that you don't want in order to purposefully broaden your view. And that's why, like, I read like pretty heavy shit to the kids because just because it will necessarily expand what they had even thought was possible. So like we read uh, the Odyssey, we read the Hobbit, we're reading Musashi right now. And it's just like, all these things that are beyond the scope of what they would choose to do because there are no external influences allowing them to see anything but that which they choose. Yeah. And so like the, the struggle and the burden has fallen on us as parents to provide literally everything beyond what they would normally consume, which is like almost nothing, but this very specific limited thing. So yeah. that's one thing that I try to be very mindful of. And I love the responsibility, but it's also like, oh my God, there's so much to figure out and do now as a parent. There is so much. And again, like that's, that's being mindful of the struggles you introduce them to, right? It's like, it's yeah. a struggle that serves them. I'm going to have them hear the story of the Hobbit or the Odyssey and have them get scared and maybe they don't like it and maybe they're this and that, but it's like, it, it ultimately, it serves them to have that struggle. And that's, I think the, there's like, there's the the parental space of like not wanting to injure them not wanting to traumatize them wanting to protect them wanting to shelter them that is natural then there's like the human side of like i just don't want to deal with the struggle i'm tired i'd rather have a beer and relax and like <laughs> you know yeah. like i don't want to deal with a screaming kid right now i just want to relax and we're navigating those two different sides it's sort of like i don't want to be mean and authoritarian and injure them 
And I don't want to have to be the victim to their tantrum either. Yes. I want it to be easy, but that's not the, we don't get that luxury basically. And it's the same with life. We don't really get that luxury in life. There will be struggles. There will be those external things. And so that's again, where we try to flow like the water and figure out like, based on this moment, tantrum is happening. They're not eating their vegetables or whatever it is. What decision can I make in this present moment that really pulls me towards my truth that I know I did the best that I could with what was there. Um, and I mean, ultimately it's like, if, if you were going to die tomorrow, how would you live so you could die at peace, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, I think of that in the sense of like, with those difficult choices of like, okay, I'm being asked to show up right now. If I were to die tomorrow, how would I want to show up today? Right now, I like, I feel myself not wanting to show up. I feel that resistance in me. I feel my trigger. And so my anger is that question. Oh, that's right. I better like lean into this. And so when I get triggered, when I have a difficult moment, that's what I anchor back to. It's like in the big picture, what choice can I make right now that pulls me more to my truth, more towards heaven, less away from hell? More and more that has just become my, my like guiding anchor in a sense. It's just like, okay, trigger Justin. What do I do? Later, outside of that, I can ask myself, what was I triggered by? Why does that trigger me? What part of myself is unresolved that makes this a hook for me? So as you're venturing out into that external world or helping somebody venture into it, you can be like, well, what about that external area is the hook for you? What here is not resolved? Why is that a trigger? Why is that hard for you? Why is that scary for you? Why is that wrong for you? Why is that so important to you? And that's how we begin to like resolve the trauma that's there, resolve the life lessons that are there so that instead of it being a line that tugs you out there that's just now part of you and right. your circle becomes bigger right mm-hmm. um and that would be in the the Taoist language that would be alchemy because you take that poison and you turn it into medicine it just becomes part of you um right and um <clears throat> in terms of like Taoism and spirituality so we didn't really get to that but um i'm not studied of in Taoism from a religious perspective. I only learned about it. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, you should just publish this, publish this as a podcast. This is incredible, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. If I knew how to do that, I would, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was like, this was a really good one content wise. And I really appreciate that. Uh, we were just able to do this. And I know um, very selfishly on my part, I'm like, yes. Um, and obviously I hope everything's good with the other dudes. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was super valuable to me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And yeah, if you want to use parts of this for anything, by all means, feel free to on just the two of us. That's also like, I'll send a link and you're welcome to pick at it and use parts of it if you want to use it. I just don't know how to do that technically. So um, oh, yeah, like I, if, if you're open to that, I would love to sort of cut out whatever you don't want to talk about and just leave like some of the wisdom in here. Cause man, this was super yeah, useful. Yeah. Yeah. Have at it. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll explore I, that then. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would do it if I knew how. So, okay. Fair. 
Cool, man. Well, thank you so much again. All right. Thanks, Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Peace. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I am actually going to drop after I speak right now, uh, the meditation that Justin led me through at the start of this call. And uh, you can just enjoy it uh, whenever you've got the time to do so. Obviously, don't do it while you're driving or anything like that. When you've got you know, 15, 20 minutes to sit and meditate, uh, it's pretty good. So I would encourage you to do that and just feel into that. It's a very calming, grounding uh, relaxation meditation. And uh, yeah, we'll leave you that. Thank you again to Justin for uh, sharing this with us and I uh, hope you guys got some value out of that. So here is the meditation starting in a moment. As always, start with a few breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. Letting go of tension in the body. And beginning to anchor the mind back into the body. Always beginning with a bit of somatic awareness. Letting your hands rest over the lower belly, either at the, at the navel or just slightly below. And your arms, elbows sort of hugging the waist gently, just supporting the body. Tongue on the roof of the mouth. And breathing in and out through the nose. Drop your awareness down to the feet, feeling that connection to the ground. Mind anchor downward, feeling the sensation of the ground, the feet, the connection between them, or the space between them.
And then bringing awareness up to the chest, feeling that sensation of the breath flowing in through the nose, into the lungs, expanding the chest, filling it with cool breath. And then the breath leaving the body, the chest relaxing. Continuing to anchor the mind into all of the somatic sensations. And then a little bit of feeling the breath in the chest and the feet on the ground. Anchoring the mind into those physical sensations. The solidity of the earth below, the fluidity of the breath coming and going. down into the lower belly, feeling the breath expanding the lower abdomen, forward into your palms, to the sides, towards your arms, and especially back towards the kidneys.
questions, taking some deep breaths, developing a degree of awareness, that lower abdominal area. Bringing awareness back up to the chest. We're going to do the breathing pattern that we did last time, where we inhale into the chest, we hold the breath, gently push it down into the lower belly, holding that pressure there, holding that fullness in the lower abdomen, only for as long as is comfortable. And then gently exhaling, letting the lower belly empty. And then repeating, inhaling into the chest. Hold the breath and guide that fullness down to the lower abdomen. Holding that fullness in the belly, feeling it expand to the front sides, the back, and then exhaling, feeling the belly gently empty. chest, guide breath down to the belly, hold it there, and gently exhaling.
Maybe one more layer as we continue the breathing pattern. Going to inhale into chest. Good breath and guide it down to the belly. As you hold, gently squeeze your toes as though you are gripping something on the ground while you hold the breath. And as you exhale, keeping that grip. And relaxing as you inhale. Toes relax. Inhale, filling the chest. Breath, pushing it down to the belly. Gripping. Creating just a little bit of a grip on the ground. Not much. Holding, gentle exhale, continue to grip. And then relaxing completely on the inhale. Very lightly gripping the floor.
and dropping the breath down to the lower belly. Relaxing the body, moving in and out smoothly without any breath hold. Just feeling the abdomen, the sides, the back, expand and contract with the breath. And then taking a few breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, gently letting your awareness drift back to the outside world. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here and listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.